Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Chronic Hope Podcast, episode number 16. Today, on April 19th, we're going to talk about treatment and sobriety and post-pandemic reality with my good friend, Ashley Neal. Before we get to the amazing Ashley, we're going to talk about, uh, we'll do a little house cleaning. We're going to talk about the Chronic Hope Institute. Uh, the Chronic Hope Institute was, the mission of the Chronic Hope Institute was to support families that are struggling with addiction and codependency and offer education and support for mental health professionals about families, addiction, and codependency. Um, you can follow us on Facebook. We have a Chronic Hope Institute Facebook group. We also have a Chronic Hope Institute podcast and a Chronic Hope on Apple and Spotify. And we also have a Chronic Hope Institute YouTube page. I mean, got so much social media and we even have Instagram, we have Twitter, we have the whole thing. So, and, and you can buy the books. You can buy my book, Chronic Hope, Families and Addiction on Amazon, Kindle, and Audible. You can also get the first book, Chronic Hope, Parenting the Addicted Child. Okay, enough shameless self-promotion. Let's get to the good stuff. Let's talk about my new pal, my new best friend, Ashley Neal. Hi, Ashley, how are you? I'm good, Kevin. Good afternoon, how are you? Good, it's good to see you. Thanks for joining Thank us sharing with us. That means a lot to me, you know? Um, and, and, you know, for those of you that are following along, Ashley and her uh, business partner um, had me on their podcast a couple months ago. So I was really excited to return the favor. So, yeah. Um, what I wanted to do is that I got a couple of questions I want to start us off with, which I think will get the conversation rolling. Um, and, and, you know, you, I want you to answer them and just talk about you. And this is, this is, you know, an opportunity for you to talk about you, your program, your company, everything else. So, uh, how's that sound? Yeah. Sounds awesome. I'm ready to go. All right. Great. Great. So first things first, um, why did you get sober? Hmm. Great question. So I got sober, I got sober kind of young. I was 25 years old when I got sober and I had spent a good number of years um, using drugs and alcohol started when I was in college and um, I was an only child growing up and to a single parent and I never really wanted to be clean or be sober. But I also didn't want to injure my mom, like break her heart, essentially. Um, and I had a lot of mental health stuff going on at the same time when I decided to get sober. And I kind of got to a point where I said, you know what, my mom's just going to have to deal with losing me because I was essentially suicidal. Um, I came out of that fog and, um, you know, thankfully did not complete suicide. Um, and decided that I needed to go to treatment and get some help. I knew that I needed help. Um, I just really had never been willing, but that was a very scary experience of actually having a plan for suicide and, and not completing it, thank God. Um, so I went to my mom and said, you know, I, I need to go to treatment. And um, the rest is history, really. When was that? 2006. Okay. When's your sobriety date? It is April 4th, 2006. So I just celebrated 15 years in recovery. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That's and the amazing. office, that I'm, the office that I'm sitting in, 
I now am an employee at Turning Point of Tampa, and that is actually where I went to treatment. So pretty cool, you know, coming full circle to be able to sit in the office as an employee of the place that saved my life. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, I'm going to ask you one more question about your family, and then I want to hear about your experience in treatment and then how you got into the business. Okay. Okay. Um, what role did your, your mom or your family play in, in your, in the, like before, during, and now, like before treatment, during treatment, and then now, what, what role does your family play or did your family play and does your family play? Right. So I, I kept my addiction hidden from my mom, really. I didn't live with her for the majority of the time that I was using drugs and alcohol. Like I said, I was in college and I lived on campus for a little while and then lived on my own. In my early 20s, I had purchased a home and was living in a different town than my mom. And I just kind of avoided her for the most part. So she didn't know what was going on with me. Uh, about six months before I went to treatment, I did go to her and say, look, I have a drug problem. Um, I think she was very shocked and maybe not too surprised. My father also struggled with addiction and they were had been separated for several years. So she knew what it looked like. But but again, I wasn't coming around her very often, so she didn't see it. Um, when I told her that I had a problem, she was shocked. And I don't know that she really knew what to do. And at this time, I was living with her. Mm. But I would just not come home. You know, I worked in the restaurant industry, and I was a manager of the restaurant. And most nights I would close the restaurant down. So I would always come home late anyway. So typically I would just wait until she left for work and then I would come home. She left for work really early in the mornings. So I thought I was doing a pretty good job of hiding it from her. When I decided really that I wanted to go to treatment though, I just said, you know, I, I need to go to treatment and neither one of us really knew what to do. Uh, I just so happened to have two coworkers that had parents go to treatment at Turning Point of Tampa. And they just so happened to be the two people that I asked, hey, do you know of a treatment center around? So I told my mom about it and she called and a week later I was in treatment. Now, That's when I got, yeah. So when I got to treatment for the, the part of me being in treatment, how did my family support me? So when I was in treatment, I had a therapist that told my mom, point blank, you need to get some support for yourself. And she suggested a 12-step family support group for her. Um, my mom will tell you that the first thing she did when she went to this meeting was she went there expecting them to tell her how to keep me sober. And that's not what happened. Uh, and she still attends that program and is very involved. So that's kind of the story of how things unfolded for me in treatment with family support and then now. So I've been in recovery for 15 years and so has my mom. That's incredible. And I think that's, I, I really appreciate you speaking to the need for the family to address their stuff as well, because Absolutely. so often in our world, everything gets focused on the addict, which by the way, tends to be one of the first things the families complain about is that it's all about them all the time. So, you know, uh, I think it's just, this is an amazing opportunity for us to say, right. And we have, we have support for you as well. And we have help for yep. you as well. And, yep. and that's really powerful. That's amazing. Okay. Yes. So you mentioned, you've mentioned uh, your employer turning point of Tampa and, uh, and you told, you've told us that that's where you went to treatment. 
which is fantastic. Now, now, what an amazing story to say I to go from being in treatment to being employed at the treatment facility. Fill in the gaps. How did that happen? Oh, wow. Um, so when I got out of treatment, I moved back home. I am from Lakeland, Florida, which is about an hour outside of Tampa. And I got involved in some nonprofit work and was still um, kind of connected to Turning Point through some alumni programming. But, you know, I lived an hour away and I, I really wasn't interested in um, <laughs> doing any kind of traveling for work. Um, <laughs> so funny story that um, when I got married, I ended up moving to Tampa and, you know, I had a job in Lakeland that I loved, but I didn't want to make the commute from Tampa to Lakeland to work every day. So I decided to start looking for a job in Tampa. And the first place that I looked was at Turning Point. I had a lot of friends that were actually working there at the time. And um, they just so happened to have a position open in the professional relations department the person who is the director of the professional relations department actually worked at Turning Point when I was a client and I remembered her and she remembered me and we got along pretty great. And I had the experience in the background that she was looking for. So again, the rest is history. I've been working here for nine years. And what do you do? What's your, what's your role in your title? My title is public relations and media strategist. So I do some business development. I work with clinicians in the community, people who potentially are looking for placement in residential treatment for their clients that are suffering with substance use disorder or eating disorders. Turning Point of Tampa treats primary substance use disorder, but also primary eating disorders. And I handle our media. So social media, which I know you're very familiar with and also our website and advertising and any type of community relations. Um, I attend events on behalf of Turning Point and, you know, get other information that may be beneficial for our clients and our business as well. Which is where we met at a NATAP event yeah. in Orlando in yes. was it January or February last year before the before everything happened, right? Yes. Right before the yeah. pandemic in January, yes. Yeah, I met yeah. at an NAATP roundtable in Orlando with other treatment providers. Yeah. Exactly. That was, and I mean, what a, and that was awesome. And Nikki Soda put that on and, and she's going to be a guest uh, and down the oh, road. With her. Oh, yeah. I think the world of her and, and she does a great job. Um, so, so back to you, back to you and to Turning Point of Tampa. And um, what would you say? Well, so speaking of the pandemic, right? I mean, you know, we met and then it was, I, mean, I just remember it being really funny. I was like really excited to come down and see your place and do the traditional thing and da, da, da. And then wham, you know, yep. <laughs> everything went to a screeching halt. And and so, uh, you know, uh, you and I have become Zoom buddies, you know, and, yeah. <laughs> and um, but, but how has the pandemic affected uh your business and not so much your business but like you know again the chronico podcast is really designed to help families that are struggling with addiction and teach them how to get help how has this affected people trying to get to treatment and the families trying to get someone to treatment and what have you guys done to work with that you know i think for the recovery community in general 
a lot of things changed right up front. And, you know, keep in mind, we're a treatment center. So we provide treatment and clinical support, but then we also have a, an underlying philosophy of 12-step programs. So we have our clients get involved in the 12-step community. And we're very lucky here in Tampa Bay. There is a very robust recovery community. A lot of 12-step support meetings that clients can attend traditionally. But with the onset of the pandemic, you know, we have had to change um, the way that we do some things. We um, have had to go virtual just like, you know, the rest of the world. And, you know, I think in the beginning, I was afraid that maybe people would use the pandemic as an excuse. You know, I think that people entering treatment, there's a very small window of time when they are willing to go to treatment. Sometimes you kind of have to get it when they're ready. If they say, you know, I, I want to get some help today, you kind of have to strike while the iron is hot. And I was concerned that that would be one more excuse for people to use. Oh, there's a pandemic going on. It's too crazy out there right now. I don't feel safe. You know, I don't want to go to treatment with other people that I don't know. But I think the exact opposite has happened. I think that um, we as uh, mental health professionals and the treatment community have done a really good job of saying, like, here, here's what we're doing to help you adjust in this, you know, uh, pandemic within a pandemic. Uh, because I believe that addiction, you know, has been a raging epidemic, maybe even at pandemic levels for many years. And mm -hmm. we find ourselves in this other pandemic at the same time. So I think the messaging has been really good for us to say, here's what we're doing. Here are the precautions that we're taking. This is how we're changing our programs. And, and I think people have felt comfortable uh, continuing to reach out for help. If anything, awesome. I think there's been an increase in people asking for help, which is which is an amazing side effect of yes. the pandemic. If there's any you know light at the end of the tunnel or a bright spot, in the pandemic, I think that's been it. I think that there has been an increased number of people reaching out for help, not only just for treatment, but also in seeking um, help, period. You know, whether that's through outpatient treatment, um, whether that's through outpatient therapy, or see family seeking help from a program like the Chronic Hope Institute. Yeah. Well, yeah, thank you. And, and, and I think it's you know, it's important for people like in my position, right? You know, the clinicians that are dealing with the families and with the individuals, you know, to be able to keep that connection with you guys, the, the, the treatment facilities that have, you know, kept their doors open and made the precautions because, you know, let's be honest, addiction doesn't go away. Addiction doesn't care, you know? And, and like you said, it's, if anything, it's gotten worse, you know, uh, yeah. you know, things, things have gotten worse. The, the overdoses are worse. And so the need for facilities like you guys and what you guys do is, is become even more important. And so that's fantastic. Yeah, and if, if I could say something too, just about my own personal experience with, you know, being in recovery and, and having to, you know, shift, make some changes in my own personal recovery. So right when the pandemic started, I actually moved and um, I have done like a back and forth thing. So I grew up in Lakeland and then I moved to Tampa when I got married and, but I've always wanted to move back to Lakeland. I just love Lakeland. That's where my heart is. Um, I finally convinced my husband to move back there. So we picked up and moved our entire life back to Lakeland. Now it's only an hour away, but when you're talking about 
a recovery support program. And I've been going to these support meetings for, you know, the past 14 years. And that's kind of where my, my people are, you know, in, in the Tampa Bay area. And I picked up and moved and it was like my whole support system changed. You know, I could, I still can talk to people on the phone, but it's still not the same as seeing someone in person. And then the pandemic happening at the same time was like, well, I don't even have the option to see people um, because all the meetings were closed down and everything was being done on Zoom. And I'm not really a huge fan of video <laughs> personally. Uh, I never have been. Uh, my in-laws live out of state and it's always a challenge to speak to them over, you know, Skype or something like that. I just am not a fan of video. It just doesn't feel very personal to me. Um, but, you know, I had to adapt because I had to still take care of myself. Um, and I also started going to therapy during the pandemic and have been forced to have to do it virtually. Huh? Yeah. Fantastic. I mean, yeah. and, 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 and good for you for, for A, sharing that and B, stepping up. And, and that's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and, you know, good for your employer turning point for, for, you know, adapting to the situation and providing the necessary things for people that need help and, and for sticking it out. You know, I mean, this has been a challenging time for everybody and especially people in our business and people that are struggling with the, you know, addiction and codependency and the family disease and, and to have a place like turning point available and, and, you know, to weather the storm like you guys have done to me is just so amazing, you know, and, yes. and I'm grateful. I appreciate that. And, you know, I will say the same thing too for um, the Chronic Hope Institute and the family case management that y'all do. You know, when you think about the pandemic, I made this comparison the other day. Whenever you get into recovery, you hear these statements like, oh, you know, share where you're at and share the things that you're going through because inevitably you're going to meet someone who's been through something similar. So they can share their experience with you. Well, no one has been through a pandemic of this magnitude. So there was no one to ask, how do we do this? So we just kind of all had to reach out to each other and, and lean on each other and figure out what to do. You know, Turning Point was able to uh, pivot really quickly. It, it felt like I snapped my fingers and we had all of our intensive outpatient programs online. And I'm sure that you had to do the same thing as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I moved to Florida two years ago from Colorado and still keep my license in Colorado and my license here. And I do a lot of work around the country. Um, so I was already adjusted to that. But for the five or six people that work with me in the Chronic Hope Institute, going full video was a total shock to them. But fortunately, yeah. I had already had the entire system set up and ready to roll. And I was like, here we go. It's really simple and easy. And yeah. And uh, and it was it was awesome. Yeah. I have another question for you. Yeah. And and I got I got interviewed last week uh, on a on a big radio station out of St. Louis, which was really fun. And I had a and I the guy asked me a really interesting question. He said, "Hey, Kevin, he goes, you're in per, you're in recovery. I mean, you you and I are both in a twelve step recovery world." And he's like, what do you say to people that say that the 12-step recovery model doesn't work and that the, the percentages don't fly? And, and you know, that, you know, I, I mean, it seems like every year there's another article about how horrible the 12-step stuff is and how it doesn't work. And, mm -hmm. and so I'm 
curious what your thoughts are on that and what your response is. You know, I think my response is the same thing that it's always been. Uh, I am in an anonymous 12-step support group, and I know hundreds, probably thousands of people who attend very similar 12-step support groups and have been sober for decades. And, you know, there's really very various ranges of sobriety and clean time um, in 12-step support groups. But my question's kind of always been, where do these people get this information when they say that 12-step, you know, it's questionable, does it really work? How many people really stay sober? Because it's an anonymous program. But I think it's important to keep in mind that 12-step programs are not treatment. They are support groups. So it is me and you sitting in a room and somebody comes in and they're asking for help and all I can do is give my experience, strength and hope on how I stayed sober today. I'm not a clinician sitting in a room waiting for you to come in to tell you what to do clinically. You know, I'm not providing you any clinical services as a person in 12-step recovery. I'm just there to tell you how I did it. And, you know, maybe maybe you'll be able to do the same thing. Maybe you'll take a different approach. You know, there, there are a lot of paths to recovery out there. I don't think that um, any one path owns the patent on recovery. We're kind of all going for the same goal. But I mean, it's my experience that 12-step recovery programs work and they work for millions of people. You know, my, my favorite thing about um, 12-step is that it can apply it's not just something that's in the United States. It's all around the world. Um, I was at a, a conference one time and heard some information about um, one of the 12-step programs in another country. And there are like 22,000 meetings in this country. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So this is not something that just got brewed up. And, you know, I mean, it definitely got brewed up in the United States, but it, it reaches all corners of the globe. So I think if everyone is accessing it and looking to it for help, then must work. And let's remember, we're not just talking about 12-step recovery for people that struggle struggle with drugs and alcohol. Like you mentioned earlier about your mom and myself. Uh, I'm also, I mean, I go to the addiction and, and alcohol stuff, but I also go to, you know, family 12-step recovery groups and- right. Uh, and I have found them to be dramatically helpful with me and my lifestyle. I mean, just just completely amazing and incredible. And and uh, yeah, I think it's and I think that's available for everybody as, as well, too. And, yeah. and I appreciate your answer. And that's kind of basically what I said, the same thing. And I was like, well, you know, here's the thing. I, the analogy I think I drew was, you know how in the first couple of months of the year, everybody joins a gym <laughs> and, <laughs> and then. And then they don't go and then they tell everybody that the gym sucks and it doesn't work, you know, mm -hmm. and it's like, well, but how do you know that you're not going? I mean, if, if you want to change, you know, if you want to go to the gym and get the results, you got to go on a regular basis. You know, you got to make that commitment. It's the same thing with anything else, with therapy, with, you know, losing weight, with 12 step recovery, whatever. You've got to make a commitment. And by all means, there's other alternatives. There is non 12 step recovery groups. There are faith based recovery groups. There are therapeutic recovery groups. There are, there's a, in Denver, they have Buddhist recovery groups. And I'm like, yes, 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 I vote yes. You know, right. 
And, and that's how we do it. And that's fantastic. Okay. Right. Last question. Okay. What is your, what is your passion? What is your, what, what is it that gets you up out of bed every morning to go to work and what, what just really gets you excited about your job and, and, and your recovery? Oh gosh. I think honestly, lately I've been really, well, I'm, I've always been a very opinionated person. <laughs> uh, really? I'm sure you can attest to that. Uh, my, my husband and, you know, all the people close to me can attest to that too. Um, I think a lot of the, what I kind of perceive as injustices almost um, in the services, the access to services for people that are seeking recovery from addiction, mental health, eating disorders, um, so that's kind of led me down the road of some public policy and advocacy work. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think everybody has the same access to treatment that I had. Um, and I, and I think that healthcare is a human right. And I think that addiction treatment is a human right. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of people who have been through a lot of different types of treatments on people that have gone to treatment at uh, private facilities that accept private insurance and then places that are um, federally funded or maybe get some funds from the state or the county where they are. And some people just don't have access, period. Um, so th there are some things that can be done within, you know, the halls of Congress to address some of the things, some of the disparities, and, and there are actually some things happening. Um, there are some bills that are being considered right now and um, some stuff that's going to go through legislation. So that's really what I'm passionate about right now. Uh, and I mean, I should even say right now, it's been going on for a while, several years. You know, and, and in, in the, in the 12 step lingo, we would call that service work is that you're committing your time and effort and energy into helping people get access by changing the system and allowing more people access, which is one of the foundational belief systems of the 12 step world is that, you know, congratulations, you're sober and you've got your life back together. You're, you're married, you got a great job and now it's time to give back, you know, and now yeah. it's time to make sure the next person has an opportunity. Absolutely. And that's I, I, one of the things I find so admirable about you and so amazing about you is that, that that's, one of you, that's your commitment. And, and you shared that with me last week and I was just so like, oh my gosh, I, that's wonderful. And, and I, you know, I want in, I think that's fantastic. Um, right, I appreciate that, Kevin. And I did wanna say one last thing about you and about the Chronic Hope Institute. You know, there are so many um, types of treatment out there for the person seeking recovery but you don't hear a whole lot about help for families. And I think that families just maybe jump on the internet and try to figure it out on their own, but you are an amazing resource. I've actually turned several families onto you. I know that some of them have contacted you, so I'm glad to hear that. Um, but that's what, that's what you do at the Chronic Hope Institute is really kind of direct that family on what to do, you know, before and during and after treatment, because it's not just about the person that's seeking recovery. We need everybody to be well. Thank you for saying that. I really appreciate that. And, you know, and, and, and I, I mean, we, 
it, it's true. It's true is that the, the families need help just as much as the individual. And, and so to be able to coordinate with a group like yours and a company like yours is, is great. Tell us, tell, give us the pitch. Give us the pitch on Turning Point and how we connect with you and how we contact you. And, and then we'll, we'll call it a day. Okay. So Turning Point has been here in the Tampa Bay area since 1987. Again, like I mentioned, we do primary substance use disorder treatment and primary eating disorder treatment. We offer residential day treatment and intensive outpatient services. If you want more information on our programs, you can go to our website, which is tpoftampa.com. We also have pretty much all the social media, Facebook, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter. We also have a YouTube channel and we have a podcast, which is called the Point is Recovery podcast. You can find that pretty much on any platform where you listen to podcasts. And I'm one of the hosts. We also have a, another host. His name is Chris Masudi, and he works with me in the professional relations department. Um, Turning Point is family owned and we've been owned by the same family since inception. And we've been in the same location for about 25 years now. This is our 34th year that we've been serving the Tampa Bay community. That is incredible. Hey, and is there, just, just, to, just to stay it out loud, is there an 800 number? There is. It is 1-800-397-3006. Fantastic. Oh, Ashley, thank you so much. You've yeah. made my day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And tell Chris, I'm sorry. Next time we'll do the two of you. <laughs> um, so, hey, folks, thanks for watching today. Thanks for watching the Chronic Hope podcast. Remember, you can subscribe to the Chronic Hope podcast on YouTube channel uh, and on the Apple podcast channel. And you can join our Facebook group. We're going to be doing an Ask Me Anything on uh, May 7th. And we'll be doing some case management with the family in May as well. Uh, I'm trying to think, run down the list of things we got cooking. There's so much going on. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. Um, we're on Facebook. We have a Facebook group. Uh, oh, my gosh. Oh, look at that guy with that crazy yellow shirt. <laughs> or, yeah, orange shirt. I'm, I'm, by the way, I'm clinically colorblind. Oh, I've been getting interviewed a lot on the radio, too. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I'll be on tomorrow night, actually on the Jim Bohannon show at 11 PM Eastern time. And it's, uh, it's on a syndicated show. You can find it on the radio. Um, and you can buy my book, Chronic Hope Families and Addiction, uh, on Amazon. It's also available on Audible and it's also available on Kindle. And I also wrote the book, uh, Chronic Hope Parenting the Addicted Child, and that's available as well. So... Hey, Ashley, thanks again. Oh my gosh, this was great. You're welcome. You're welcome. And one last thing that Ashley and I share in common is that a love for the smash face dogs. And uh, yes. yeah, your boxers I find are so adorable. And I, you probably heard my Boston's in the background as we got started. But. Yeah. <laughs> That's just another gift of recovery, Kevin. That's right. That you're, You are absolutely right. That's the truth. All right, folks, thanks. Uh, we will see you next month on episode 17. And have a safe day. Have a safe week. And talk to you soon.